Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Sooners 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners360.com. This week is episode number 28. We're calling this one Build Your Sooner Recruiting Class. Before we get to the show, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform of choice. We are on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc., And to get started, I'll turn it over to Chris here for a segment covering the latest recruiting news of the week, including a surprise and a few other not-so-surprising commitments. Chris, what's going on in OU's recruiting world? Well, as always, guys, when we have commitment news, we're going to lead with that. And the first name to lead with is Grayson Harris, the 2025 wide receiver from Ennis, Texas. He's a top 100 rated player on at least two services right now. It's about 5'9", 170. His film is great. He is a he's a playmaker on film. And I'm not going to go too deeply in that because I'm going to let Caleb, you know, give Caleb some distance and some room to talk about a an evaluation of, of Harris because he looks like a he looks like he could be a superstar for the Sooners. And then I know you got such a jump on his recruiting because he's also interested in the OU baseball team and he has an OU baseball offer. And he's sort of, I would imagine he would probably be like a center fielder. Uh, lots of speed, really good baseball player. The baseball aspect of this really worked for OU in uh, sort of obliterating the competition. He got an OU offer, and it's just it's been over. He knows Emmett Jones, known Emmett Jones forever, and this is a kid. I know he's a 25 kid, but he put up 2,000 yard plus seasons with 10 plus touchdowns as a freshman and a sophomore. So this is a uh, Emmett Jones is off to a hot streak. Zion Kearney last week, and Brennan Thompson, and now Grayson Harris. So when you think about it, he's added a 23 portal edition, two 24 wide receivers, and now a 25 wide receiver. And the 25 wide receiver group is looking very rich and and deep for the Sooners in terms of uh, what they're looking at, especially in Texas. Another good year for wide receiver recruiting in Texas in 25. And as we mentioned, that's the, the big reason why we wanted we were so happy about the Emmett Jones hire, right? He was going to get us Texas receivers and get us the right Texas receivers. And then our old nemesis, the 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 hockey mask, the hockey mask killer of of college college football rosters, the 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 portal process. OU got two key portal additions. One was we've been talking about a little bit, and the other name is kind of brand new. So the first name, uh, which occurred last night, uh, sorry, Thursday night, we're recording this on Friday, uh, is Connor Near from uh, Ferris State, um, as in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So make jokes as appropriate, make jokes as you need to. Uh, he's a linebacker, about 6'2", 225, 230, but he's a two-time Division II All-American. He's got two years to play, and... I'm going to let Caleb talk about how good he looks on film in terms of being a linebacker. But this is a, this is a nice addition for OU. Gives OU some experience on that roster. 
probably allows OU to contemplate redshirting a linebacker or two uh, from the 23 class and maybe a linebacker or two from the 22 class to allow some kids to develop. And OU's got some good athletes they recruited, but this may give them the chance to to redshirt some of those kids and let them pick up the nuances of linebacker a little more. Plus it's experience depth. And that sort of fits the trend of what we've been seeing in the portal. So if you think about the portal, they've got a mentor at defensive end in trace forward, a mentor inside with uh, the Notre Dame, Jacob Lacey at D tackle. Now the linebacker guys are, are, you know, someone else is coming in who knows how to play and, and can model the behaviors that Brent wants to, wants to train and teach. Yeah. Reggie Pearson kind of being that, being that same guy for the safety group as well. So if you think about it, every layer now has kind of a veteran a player coming in uh, to, to show how defense should be played. And then next, the guy we've been talking about, I think for about two weeks, is Troy Everett, the uh, center offensive guard from App State. He's about 6'3", 290. He verbaled today. So we managed to get in. He managed to, by recording tonight, we've got a, we're able to talk about Troy a little bit. And again, I'm let Caleb talk about it, a little bit about Troy and also talk about the implications of Troy joining the inside offensive line group. But this is a big addition. Oh, you beat Vatek where he probably would have been a de facto starter and they had a lot of connections to him. So really this, this is kind of the Bill Biedenbaugh offensive line guru NFL. I'm going to get you drafted in the NFL kind of recruiting battle. If you want to say it was timed perfectly after Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris both were drafted in the top three rounds with Anton going in the first round. You know, it's almost like they have a, a built by Biedenbaugh stamp on them, right? Uh, on their jerseys, you know, like, you know. Um, and I think that probably played a big factor with Everett, knowing that, Reed Humphrey is the best, the best young center in, in NFL football. Uh, and I think probably Bill said, I, I can make you, I can make you, I can make you a, uh, an offensive center like Creed Humphrey. Cause the kid's got a lot of potential and is really good, but I'm not, I'm not going to steal any Caleb's uh, Caleb stuff. So, and then, uh, then Matt, we've got even more portal updates and I, I don't really think that seems believable, but we, we still have some more. Jordan Tyson, the wide receiver from Colorado, uh, part of the mass exodus from up there in Boulder. A uh, lot of lot of players going in and out up there with with Coach Prime. Uh, but we have a, a kind of a local connection. He is from Allen. His quarterback at Allen for I believe a year was uh, Michael Hawkins, OU commit. So there there's a lot of connections there. What what's the latest on Tyson? Well, you had a, he visited OU, and I think he's visiting Arizona State, and then a decision should be incoming. And he really loved his OU visit. Our sources said that OU kind of knocked it out of the park. He did get injured at the end of last year, around November. He tore his ACL. So it's kind of – is he going to be ready by September? We kind of saw, you know, players trying to push it and come back early with um, – with uh, was, it, was it Hazelwood? He tried to do that. Jaden yeah, Hazelwood, Hazelwood, yeah. And it didn't really quite work out. So maybe if they get Tyson, maybe they could use a red shirt if his rehab is taking a little longer because he's got three years to play. And one thing to note is that when I went back and looked at his high school footage, with with he's making lots of big plays all over the field at Allen. So I'm kind of wondering, 
we've thrown around that that uh, Michael's junior year was a little tough, right? He wasn't as good as his sophomore year. And it looks like the loss of Jordan Tyson may be one of the key reasons why. Because he's making lots of big-time throws to Jordan Tyson in his in Tyson's senior year, the 22, the 21 season uh, high school reel. He's making lots of plays to Tyson and to uh, Devon Mitchell, who we'll get to in a minute. And then the following year, he's, he, he obviously, I, I think, I think Tyson was a safety blanket for Michael Hawkins. And one of the reasons why his play dropped is because, or perceived to have dropped is probably because of the loss of Tyson on, on based upon his, the, the highlight reel for both of those guys from uh, the 2021 high school season. And if you look at Tyson's uh, the, what, what you can find, which is mostly just, you know, kind of play by play uh, of what he did at, at Colorado. That's what he was for them. He was there. He was a big play guy. He had, I think, a, a big punt return against Arizona State. But also, I mean, he averaged uh, over 21 yards a catch last year for Colorado and had 470 yards. He uh, kind of deceptively – some guys are just really good at, you know, getting behind defenses. And I don't know if he's – a guy that winds up and runs four four or better, but uh, he consistently beat Pac twelve defensive backs. Because uh, if you look at his, you know, kind of his game log, it was he started to come on kind of a really rough deal. He started to really emerge later. You know, it wasn't he didn't put up a bunch of big plays against Northern Colorado and one double A teams. He was kind of feeling his way early in his true freshman year. And by the time they started getting into the back end of Pac-12 play, he started to, you know, he just become that guy for them and then uh, took a shot right on the knee uh, and and had surgery, I think, November 15th. So, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of connections. Michael Hawkins, Emmett Jones. He's from the Dallas area. Going to OU would you know keep him you know he's gonna have he's gonna have lots of guys he knows from the Dallas area on that roster. So and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe his brother is also a portal basketball target big time. from yeah. OU. Yeah, he's a top fifty player in the country coming out of high school. Or is he high school? Yeah, yeah. From high, no, he's he's at Texas Tech. Oh, that's right, that's right. He he did the whole Texas to Texas Tech flip because of Chris Beard. And now he's looking to leave Tech because, you know, Tech had kind of a weird season with a new coach. So I'm not sure if he's going to be eligible immediately because the NCAA's in basketball is talking about, you know, slamming the door on the double transfer nonsense. It's been really heavy in basketball. Yeah, kids leave every year and play at four or five colleges. Yeah, they're, they're, they're and never, never get close to, you know, getting enough credits to have a degree at any place. Yeah. Um, so his name's Jalen. Jalen Tyson, I believe. He's a 6'6 swing guard, swing player. Really good. He's talking to OU, but OU's fighting some basketball powers. So I I, I don't think it's going to end up being like a package deal. But basketball recruiting certainly not my bailiwick. I'm, I'm kind of following some guys on OU Hoops. Uh, a key guy on OU Hoops. Coach talking OU Hoops. Shout out to you um, uh, for, for my basketball information. I got no sources on the b-ball side of the house, so. Um, but that's, that's not, but you'd think, you know, with th- two verbals and they've already got Jordan, they already have Brennan Thompson. So you'd think that OU is like done with the second portal wave, but they're trying to bring in a, trying to bring a DB in from Louisiana. His name is Troy Amos. He's six, one, nearly 200 pounds. 
He's from Louisiana. He has a lot of big time power five guys looking at him. OU's trying to bring him in for a visit. I'm not sure if that's going to occur or not, but OU seems to be trying to, with all the losses they had at the DB group with Jaden Davis, Jamarian Burt, and unfortunately, Demon, Demon Harmon, who we thought maybe, you know, had a chance to be a player for OU this year. OU may be just trying to backfill some of those losses because they are all kind of, you know, two of those losses are coming from early from some of our recent classes. So I think they're trying to bring in another DB, but it, it may not play out that way. And then we've got a name that's been thrown around, and I think we mentioned him, was Keon Coleman, the big wide receiver from uh, Michigan State, who was originally from Louisiana, verbal to Kansas, kind of wanted to play hoops and football. He was leaving Michigan State, then he wasn't leaving Michigan State. Now he's leaving Michigan State. He has some connections to Emmett Jones uh, and some other people on the OU staff, but it it doesn't look like that's going to really play out. I don't I don't anticipate anything happening there. And then finally, the one guy who did visit, who we thought OU did have a good shot at, was Josh Simmons from San Diego State, and he visited OU, and then he said, "I'm going to visit Ohio State and then decide." And he did that. He decided to go to Ohio State. So, but I think that's less of a loss than Troy Everett. If you'd asked me of the two, I would have probably preferenced Everett over uh, Josh Simmons just because OU um, has more tackle players in the pipeline, in the system. And um, we'll let, we'll get a little bit more into the O-line depth chart when, when Caleb talks about Trey, Troy Everett uh, and, and gives us some analysis on him. Cause I think that's, we'll let, we'll let that discussion play out a little bit there, but for, for now, OU's lost Josh Simmons. Now they got Troy Everett. I don't think there's an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman in the portal that OU is actively trying to get on campus or actively trying to recruit. So I think it's pretty much Jordan Tyson at wide receiver and Troy Amos um, or Amos at DB. And that's it. But I've said that before. Names keep popping up and being added. So I could be wrong. But I believe our portal villain is down to two names only to track from here on out. Well, some other things to track, too, with all this movement going on with uh, some of the other sites out there, a um, lot of stuff going on there. We won't get too much into that, but our friend over at Covered Wagons Recruiting has been putting in a ton of work, uh, putting out some of these crystal balls that are flying out. A lot of them are repeats. Chris, are there any that uh, are not repeats that are new crystal balls? We've seen a, a little new action on Devon Mitchell, the tight end from 2025, who's at Los Alamitos High School in California. And the mystery, and Devon posted a top five and is talking about taking visits and making his final decision this, this summer. And OU is firmly in that top five. The real mystery seems to be, is he going to reclassify or not? So... That seems to be somewhat up in the air. We had an interview with Devon, uh, good kid, uh, very much um, seems to want to, from our interview, seems to want to play with Michael Hawkins, or that seems to be a pretty big factor for him. He was pretty upfront about that. But I think the question of 24-25 is, is, definitely, is, is definitely sort of out there. And we, and I, we don't have any firm data on that one or the other, so we're, we're not going to. We're not going to make any predictions, but I think he's trending towards OU 
regardless of what class he ends up in, he ends up in. And that's projecting another 25 kid of far out, but OU already has Grayson Harris and Kevin Sperry. So they could possibly add a tight end to that group um, in the next month or two. The, the, the kicker will be if, if, if um, Devon is able to schedule official visits because as a 25 kid, he wouldn't be able to do that yet. So if he's able to schedule officials, that means that somewhere his paperwork is all good. And because the NCAA is letting him take his officials this summer. Well, he definitely has the size to reclassify to 24. He's a big kid. He's 6'4", 245, based upon what he told us. that He looks like that in every camp footage I've seen. I think with a good couple of years through the, through the Schmitty car wash, he could be 6'4", 255, and, and not lose an ounce of speed and be a and be an absolute monster blocking on the edge, but also having the speed and pass catching ability to be a real threat, um, you know, over, over the, over the linebackers. And there was a commit this week, not to OU, but it does impact OU uh, in a couple different ways. Chris, what, what happened with Kellen Lindstrom? Well, it's, it was kind of weird. Um, none of our sources were really tipping us off to saying that, OU and Kellen Lindstrom were were heating up. Um, that's just 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 the information we were getting. We, nothing was really bubbling up, but a number of other OU sites and you know those those guys all have good sources and good information. We're talking up Kellen Lindstrom to to OU, and we're talking up that a decision might be coming down soon. So they were definitely right on that, and they were all talking about Tennessee being the main competitor. So Lindstrom's from uh, from Kansas. He's from the Kansas City area. Uh, 6'5", 220, 235, 240. Looks really good on film. Um, you know, he's a really good-looking defensive end prospect. So he's going on, gone ahead and chosen Tennessee just like an hour before we started recording this. A little bit of a surprise, but um, I wonder if this doesn't have some connection with williams Winery, because uh, Tennessee is the perceived uh, big opponent for williams Winery Now, obviously... You know, you can sign as many defensive ends as you want, but I kind of wonder if Lindstrom was kind of reading the tea leaves that maybe OU had a bigger lead for Winery than most folks think and decided that he was going to go ahead and choose uh, Tennessee instead of being kind of their, be their top defensive end in the class, just like Winery would be for, would for, would be for OU. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. Like, because uh, it's kind of two schools of thought you could take to some regards. Right, you could you could look at um, both of them being from the KC area, and uh, in Tennessee recruiting both kids hard. Is it is it potentially a negative? Is it potential that you know that Lindstrom helps pull Noary towards? Uh, maybe that's another driving factor that helps make Tennessee you know even a little bit higher up on the list for for Williams Noary uh is 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 Kellen Lindstrom being there I don't know that they know each other all that well uh it's usually pretty common you're right for <laughs> two big 66 240 260 pound defensive ends in the same area to to just know each other in some regards uh, same camps right same camps same camps and it's just you know it's been my experience right like you grew up in an area and one of the better athletes and you compete against a bunch of other folks and and you just get to know each other because yeah you're all you're doing whether it's the camps or 
you know, secondary uh, sports together, whether it's track uh, or powerlifting or whatever it might be, or going to some of the same trainers. I think it's something that's, and you know what, there may not be anything there because you've also got Ross, was it Jason, Jason Ross uh, out of that same area. So I, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's Kansas City's got is producing some good players, uh, and, I, and OU has been reaping, has been reaping the benefits. So, oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. There's a, a guy that another guy that I'm, you know, when I looked at it, and, and you think, I think like most folks, uh, you know, Oklahoma's all in on the wary, uh lead or you know one A to one B, and I think I just think this is a battle Oklahoma should win for a lot of reasons, whether it's Jamar Mosey being his, you know, his, his head coach or Jamar's, you know, younger, uh, maybe if it's his oldest, but one of his boys, you know, being a junior from the same high school, that has got an offer Oklahoma probably going to end up there. And it's, it's one of Williams better, you know, better friends. So a lot of things point to that, but as you kind of go down that list, or at least I did of, and we all know, uh, you know, Joseph, uh, Jonah, uh, Johnny, he's really considered a heavy Oklahoma lean, kind of looked at that third slot of like, what is Oklahoma going to look for? If they're going to take three defensive ends or three edge guys, are they going to do two, you know, bigger defensive ends and then try to find someone like a Ross or like a red, uh, red being a, you know, uh, was it uh, a kid out of the, the St. Louis, St. Louis area, St. Louis area. Right. I don't know if it's the same high school that uh, it's dismant. It is dismant. Okay. So same high school as what's his name, Daron Neal. Uh, for nice, pull, nice, pull, nice pull there. So <laughs> I had to really go back and push some of the CTE cobwebs aside and try to find that one. Uh, but now I would, you know, that's an interesting one to me. But the, the other guy that's out there, and you hear Oklahoma having a lot of, uh, you know, movement with is Wyatt Gilmore out of, uh, and he's out, I think, the Minneapolis uh, area, uh, Minnesota. And man, I, I put this, I think, on the board, and I just think it's, I mean, for me, like I watch Gilmore's film, and he's one of my favorite defensive ends in the class. I, when I was looking at him, like, who do I like more out of Lindstrom or him? And maybe you say, okay, Lindstrom's probably got maybe a higher ceiling, right? Because he is got a, maybe a little bit longer of a frame. Maybe he's a little more fluid. But gosh, I, I must say, again, I said this on the board, like, to me, Gilmore in some ways highlights the difference between this staff and the previous staff. And I don't mean this as a shot against it to guys like Noah Arenze because I absolutely understood the offer. You know, at the time it was like, hey, look, this is kind of the mold of what these are the type. He is the type of guy that, you know, has really high end potential. You know, but obviously it's got a big bus factor too, because the film's not great, but the measurables are fantastic. Like Gilmore, I don't mean to say that the measurables aren't good because he's 6'4", and he's 245 or whatever it is, and he's clearly a weight room kid. But when you watch his film, it's like everything you would want of a defensive end, everything you're looking for, like whether it's just a mat, like crazy high motor, extremely physical, the point of attack, plays things correctly in terms of like, you know, was he going to wrong shoulder, dig a puller out and blow the play up, or if he's going to, you know, jam it and keep his outside shoulder free and then run down the back when he goes to bounce it. He just, you know, his, his film is just fantastic. I think he's a, he's a guy I, I'm interested to see now that Lindstrom is off the board. Uh, if, if Oklahoma starts to push even more for him. Yeah, he looks he looks like he's the I use this to describe Lewis Carter and it's it's now my buzzword. He looks like he's angry at offensive players. Gilmore 
really looks like perhaps he he's 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 kind of like yeah you you I heard you say something bad about my mom and or people have told me you've been saying bad things about my mom all week and and I'm going to I'm going to destroy you I'm I'm very angry I'm very I'm very very angry at you and yeah. I'm going to I'm going to display that in a number of ways involving your your body slamming into the ground at at high speed and high with with high physical impact so little, that's a good little bobby boucher it's yeah the one i always like, like to use it's and it's, it shows my age it's um it's it's uh forrest whitaker is the linebacker in in, in <laughs> fast, fast times, times high. oh that's, yeah that's that's the one i always like to use where he's just he's just obliterating people in that game because they because uh because um his his brother his younger brother and and um Spicoli, uh, Sean, Spicoli. Spicoli completely trashed his uh, his transam. So, um, you know, Bobby Boucher, obviously for the younger generation, for those older folks, you know, Forrest Whitaker, great actor. He's been in like hundreds of things, but it's always funny to think that he's the he's the kick-ass linebacker from Fast Times at Ridgemont at Ridgemont High with all those other uh, with all those uh, all those other great actors. But yeah, it's no. but 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 Gilmore is like he's the same thing. Like you know, hey. Man, those that opposing team keyed your car last night and said your mom, you know, and told me you, you know, your mom, your mom was a tramp, you know, and they just like let Gilmore free and you know, yeah. You, just, there's, you hit the nail on the head. There is an edge to his game when yeah, you watch him play. It is. Uh, <laughs> I remember I used to have this really when I was a kid. My dad had it, and it was this old NFL films, uh, but it was a cassette, and it was just like the most physical toughest it's, best players well kind of went through the best the players, players. The players so okay yeah, yeah and you. it was like hey here's deacon jones and howie long and then dick butkus and it gets to butkus and that's you know he's talking about it's like i always wanted to hit somebody so hard that like their helmet would roll down the field with their head still in it you know it's like <laughs> yeah, i don't know that lindstrom is that psychopathic but uh he's but yeah no but gilmore, gilmore is i'm sorry gilmore yeah yeah but i mean but lewis carter's the same way right i mean you yeah. watch the lewis and it's like it's it always harkens back to the uh, the Ronald Lewis um, middle school or like grade school film where he's obliterating a kid and the parents with the video camera are all like, oh, it's just, just it always said, well, you know, that, that's sort of the whole, that's our grading level. We have to, we have to come up with a, a quickie yeah. term for it, let our, our listeners know that, you know, this, this kid's getting the, the, the Lewis, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Lewis Bobby Boucher, he's a Lewis Bobby Boucher, Lewis Carter uh, candidate. So, but yeah, yeah it's, He's really, he's really pretty physical. So, but I mean, it's a big win for Tennessee yeah, uh, right now. It is so obviously Josh Heupel has a lot to sell that big season had a good draft day. You know, it's Tennessee being a pain in the ass for OU is, is in recruiting is not really what we need right now, but uh, it's, it's definitely there right now. So, um, so that that's interesting from another SEC standpoint. And then, Matt and Caleb, oh, you went a went a little went a little goofy with offers in the in the boot last week. So, um, an area that isn't necessarily that productive recruiting wise for OU. Uh, we've obviously got the wide receiver KJ Daniels, but he's like the first real significant signee in in, in a while since I think Cody Ford. So. Oh, you stop and I guess sorry, Adrian Ely as well. But oh, you doesn't do a lot of damage in Louisiana, so. They made they made some interesting offers uh, out in Louisiana. The the first one is a is a tight end. He's a top one hundred player in the nation. Big athlete. 
uh, Tredes Green, but he's like an LSU verbal. So like the odds of pulling a player from Louisiana, like like a top 100 player are like 2%. And then the odds flipping an LSU verbal commit is from Louisiana. Top 100 player is like, you know, less than like zero. So I don't know why you made this offer. And then the stranger thing is, Todd Bates made this offer, but his film is all really at tight end. I mean, the kid looks like he could be a huge, big-time defensive end, but it's it's it was a strange offer. I, my, I, as I said on our message board, my my recruiting spidey sense is tingling that because you know one we often talk about two and two equal four in recruiting, right? Sometimes it's that simple. And right now, two and two equal four on this kid, and it, it doesn't seem like an offer even makes any sense to have even we've even put out so there's, there's something odd going on with this and um we're going to try and dig into it but i got i got no more answers on why you made this offer than than anybody else right now so caleb did you get a chance to just quickly look at him what's what's a quick opinion on this kid oh, i really like him he's to your point he's he is a really big like big framed really good athlete uh like just in terms of like maybe even growth potential. Uh, I wouldn't say it looks like Darnell Washington running around out there because, you know, Washington's 265 pounds. But that kid, but he, he looks probably in the neighborhood. He's listed at – he plays basketball, Trey Dez does. And when you pull up his huddle, it says he's six foot eight. I don't think he's six foot eight, but if you told me he was six foot six and a half, I'd say, yeah, probably. Uh, he's just a big kid. Uh, but – you, you brought up a point. I'm not sure if that's if he's a tight end or if he's a defensive end. Uh, I if I see, if you told me he was a tight end, I would definitely say he is more of a, a complete tight end. He's someone that you're going to put in line and you're going to let he's going to because he's going to grow into you know two fifty two you know two fifty five maybe heavier uh, and, and be able to you know, be really competitive with defensive ends and climb to linebackers and be physical there. He's probably not a guy, you're, you know, a, like a Brock Bowers, you're going to put it in the slot and he's going to you know, make a safety miss and then outrun the linebacker. Uh, he's, he's, he's not that guy. He's, but he's as a receiver, definitely a big uh, red zone threat. You see them put him out there. He, in high school, they do uh, put him out wide and just throw jump balls to him. And he just uses his, I'm a better athlete and I'm way bigger than you to, to go up and big yeah, brother it's, folks. It's, it's a little funny, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a strange offer. Um, you know, so that, that was weird from Louisiana. And then we got a couple more Louisiana kids, but I'm going to go in by class order, but for 24, OU offered cornerback Emilio Agard from Philly. And uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a strange offer. He's a top, um, 200 kid on two services, both Rivals and ESPN really like him. Rivals really likes him. They have him in the top 150 in the country to have him one of their top uh, four-star players. About 5'11", 170. So kind of a smaller cornerback that OU's, you know, kind of been recruiting in this class a little bit. So he's, he's so why is OU offering cornerbacks from Philly? He's from Samaj Jones High School. He goes to St. Joseph Prep in Philly. So I'm guessing OU just saw Samaj. We we mentioned on our message board, Jeff Levy went to visit Samaj Jones this week. OU still recruiting Samaj Jones. Wants to go, well, is interested in two quarterbacks as we've been discussing and on these pods, that whole strategy. So I'm guessing Jeff Levy, while he was up there, 
just saw a guard and made the offer in person. And the OU coach is like, well, he's really good. Clemson's after him. Michigan's after him. Penn State, Ohio State, he's got a great offer list. I got no news that he's visiting or anything like that, but they made, they made the offer there. And then back to strange offers in the boot. Um, OU offered Darius McKinley. He's a two, 2025 class. He's an edge rusher. He's 6'3", 225 right now. He's the brother of Dominic uh, McKinley, the big defensive tackle, defensive end that we've been talking about on this pod that OU's interested in. We'll have a little more news with him in a, in a bit. And all I can say from the picture is if Darius is six foot three, Dominic is definitely six, 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 seven. So um, Dominic is a big, tall, long guy. If his brother is really six foot three. So, and then the, then the weirdest offer or the funniest offer, depending on your viewpoint is, OU offered 2026 defensive tackle. That's right. A 2026 defensive tackle. Jakeem Stewart, who is uh, asking that everybody go, calls him by the nickname Thanos, the villain from the Avengers movie. Uh, and uh, Jakeem is 6'6", 280 as a high school freshman. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to call Jakeem, you know, Thanos, you know, Gamora, um, anything, any name he wants from the Marvel lexicon, he can pretty much tell me and I'm, I'm willing to call him that. And he is most likely to be the number one player in the country, I would guess, for 2026 right now. And that's kind of a stupid comment to make with three years of playing, two years of two and a half years of playing time in front of him and all that. But uh, he 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 looks – he's been at a couple of camp showings and people are just like, he's not a freshman. He cannot be a freshman. And, and the coaches are, or high school coaches are like, yes, he is. Now, again, Louisiana recruiting. So – LSU verbals OU has like a negative factor in, in being able to recruit. As Caleb told us uh, in, our, in our podcast pre, pre-game meeting, he goes to a high school uh, factory in Louisiana that has dumped any number of all pro type players to LSU. So the unless he is directly related to a member of the OU staff, I would say OU's chances of getting the Stewart kid are like less than less than nothing, maybe maybe greater than less than nothing. Because um, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I mean, Tyrone Matthew is went to his high school. Um, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette. We're talking about just um, you know, I'm not saying any of this is occurring, but if we just remember the LSU national championship win with Odell Beckham Jr. throwing hundreds around at all LSU players. I'm just saying there's like probably like a half dozen LSU NFL alums that went that are from his high school. So it's hard to imagine that OU is going to be able to make a lot of traction here, especially for a kid who's probably going to be 310 pounds and just move like a defensive end. And, um, you know. Kind of sounds knows? like, a, reminds me of Central Henderson for old recruiting heads. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember everybody. I mean, I think he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as yeah. saw eighth, as a, as eighth a junior, grader, I think. Eighth, he? Yeah, he was really young. Like everybody saw, oh, this is a this is a future. Like just he looked like an NFL player. It's like a freshman or sophomore in uh, yeah, he, in high school. Yeah. yeah, so so OU's OU's put there. They're in there, and maybe by the time he actually decides, 
maybe uh, Adaware and a couple other guys are all like top five picks and OU is a D-line factory. So maybe that maybe that'll work out for us. But at this moment right now, two and two is equaling four for um, a future five-star D-lineman, top five player in the country from Louisiana. He, he's going to LSU. So, but uh, <laughs> OU, OU's offering some kids in the boot. So obviously they're trying to make some, 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 some traction there. If OU could just get like one elite kid every recruiting cycle, it would be a big win. So OU's trying and we'll, we'll see what happens. They've already got one kid. So if they could get McKinley, you know, I mean, if they could, if they could steal McKinley, it would be a big win, but that's all the, yeah. that's, that's the, so Matt and Caleb, that's the recruiting news that's currently out there. Um, but we've got some, we've got some verbals that uh, Caleb needs to break down and give us a little more uh, details on. I'll just say that I love the fact that Oklahoma is, is going after, you know, Louisiana kids. I, I think that I said this uh, maybe pre-show that when you look at the rise of Clemson under Dabo, a big part, and you know this, Chris, a big, big driver to that success was their ability to go into Georgia and beat and Alabama, Alabama. And, and, and Georgia Alabama. and Alabama. There was their ability to go in those two neighboring states and win elite defenders. Like that's what they started to do. You know, they're, they've got a kid that if you watch any of their spring game, five-star defensive tackle they signed out of Georgia, or maybe he was at Alabama. I don't know. Uh, and he looks like he'll be – he's on his way to being a top-10 pick. Pete Woods. Pete Woods. He is – he dominated as a true freshman he's early He's from early. Alabama. Yeah. yeah. True freshman early enrollee. He he's, dominated Clemson's spring game. <laughs> he's, the only, he's the only guy at the Under Armour game that looked better than PJ. Yeah. I mean, he – I can – yeah. He, uh, he was clearly – the best defensive player it looked like on an out on a, on a Clemson defense. It's going to have maybe two kids next, next cycle to go to the top two rounds uh, linebackers that the BV recruited. But uh, yeah, so I love the fact that Oklahoma, Hey, look, it's, it's what made Clemson. They weren't afraid to go into Alabama uh, North in parts of Florida and, and, and Georgia and win kids. And they realized, I think, Hey, if you're going to be, if we're going to get this thing back to winning national championships and competing for national titles every year, every other year, or playing for them rather, like Oklahoma did from 2000 to 2008, what you've got to do is you've got to be able to go into Houston, East Texas, and and sometimes into the boot, and you've got to be able to win elite defenders. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's it's a great and point. KC. And it's it's a great point. So they're trying. It, McKinley is going to be a test case. We'll just leave it at that. If if they can get McKinley out of the boot then I think maybe we can be believers that that going into Louisiana can be successful again for OU. I agree. All right. Well, there's there's a lot of new names, a lot of news. Uh, head over to Sooners360.com. Uh, we're talking about all these guys over there. Uh, we're also breaking down uh, these last three verbals, and we'll Caleb, we'll, we'll bring you back in to – Give some of your thoughts on these guys. Uh, do you want to start with wide receiver Grayson Harris? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. He's uh to me, it's always a little bit difficult with kids that are still so young because what you're watching is his sophomore film. Sometimes, you know, kids they do right, they just mature at different paces. And so it's why I think sometimes you see guys that'll emerge late and you didn't see much in the recruiting cycle, and they end up at whatever school, whatever college, and they end up a first round pick. But, uh, you know, at an early, at an early point in his, 
a high school career. I mean, the kid as a sophomore is absolutely dominant. It's a really impressive film. And he's, he's, uh, he's really proficient in all areas. He's not real. He's not listed at being real big, 5'10", 170 pounds, but it is an extremely solid 170 pounds. You watch Ennis get him the ball in really every fashion, you know, uh, Underneath the quick game uh, screens, tunnel screens, they'll use utilize him, you know, in some ways as a running back, and he's just a big play waiting to happen. A fantastic body control. I don't know what his top end. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a petaway. I don't think he's a ten two guy uh, or a Caden Durham. But you know, it's kind of like when we did our wide receiver. Uh, breakdowns of the best receivers or Oklahoma the last 20 years. And I think I had Kyle, he corrected me on this, right? I just didn't value Ryan Broyles because in my mind, I envisioned him just that final year that he was healthy in what was, I think, just one of the more pedestrian Oklahoma offenses under Josh Heupel, where it was a lot of, I'm just going to throw you the out, you know, it's, we're just going to throw you a quick hitch. It was just really short stuff. But looking back, you know, we watched Ryan Broyles in the early part of his career. He was he was a big play guy. He was taking you know short passes and and, and breaking them off. And, and that that's what you see with uh, with Harris. Again, I don't don't know what his forty is, but you see a guy that runs away from his competition, and it's effectively in some ways kind of South Dallas competition. So you know he's running around a lot of fast guys. And, yeah, it's and he's, it. uh, it's a good district. I mean, he Midlothian, Colleyville, uh, Corsicana, Joshua. Um, who else is on here? Burleson, Mansfield Summit, Wilson out of Dallas, Melissa, yeah, uh, Nigel Smith. So, yeah, it's definitely good competition. Yeah, and yeah, you see, like, I mean, he's got fantastic acceleration. You'll see him catch a lot of that short stuff in one step, two steps. He's full speed, and he's pulling away from guys. I think that's where he really excels. And you probably see, you think, hey, slot, uh, you know, from a traditional perspective. But again, I think with what Oklahoma does offensively, at least right now, don't know that Jeff will still be there when he gets there, or gets really up to speed. But he's, I think he's a guy in the offense as it sets today. He can play inside and outside because of that that speed, that body control, that big playability. So I think it's, um, you know, potentially, you know, top 100 guy uh, in the class of 2025. So, yeah, he's sort of that cliche, can't tackle him in a phone booth kind of guy. You know what I mean? He, I mean, he's like avoiding three guys, and then he just puts the jets on. It's like, you can't tackle me near, and then I'm going to go flying by you. So, I mean, I thought for a sophomore, his if you had told me his film was like senior level film, I would have been like, yeah, that's good senior level film. I can believe that. For a sophomore, it's great. It's it's silly because he's like putting up a thousand yards as a freshman in For that twelve hundred or so. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that, over a thousand, and it's it's silly, silly numbers and like eleven TDs, twelve TDs. He's that's this is a good. You know, folks are kind of like, well, who is this guy? And I'm like, this is a good pickup. This is a kid who's who's gonna who's probably gonna be a top one hundred in all the services, like top seventy five, top eighty, because he's he's at camp circus is he's going to make some really good DBs look like, look silly. Yeah. No, it's, uh, again, that's why I say like, I always struggle a little bit just with how, how, where a kid's developing at, but yeah, I, you nailed it. If you, if, if, if he was a 24 kid, you'd be saying that's a four-star take all day. 
if he was a 23 kid, he would have been, that's a four-star take all day, you know, and that's, and you're looking at a kid as, as a sophomore. So there's, um, I mean, I'm interested to see what he'll look like. I'm trying to think of the kid from out of Arizona that signed and played at Texas A&M three years and then got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he's, he's with the ja- he's with the Jaguars. He had a big big contract. Just got a big, a big contract. contract. Um, what is that? He was Christian a, Kirk. There Christian you go. Kirk. He was a five star kid. But he Kirk, was. Kirk was that same way though, and I've always wondered with him, like, ah, does he need to be a five star? Because you look at him as a sophomore, and he was just obliterating folks. And thought, okay, so he just maxed out. Well, it didn't matter. I don't know that he was, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but he was just that good and always has been. He's yeah, going on year six or whatever it is in the NFL. Uh, Harris, not saying Harris is going to go play, you know, almost 10 years in the NFL because that's just too much to put on anybody, but it's just a similar arc in that regard that you watch a kid as a freshman. Is that, if you look at, I haven't seen, I did not watch Harris's freshman film, but his freshman stats are better than his sophomore stats. He caught 78 balls for almost yeah. 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns as a freshman. So you're just talking about a kid that, you know, from the moment he got into high school on any field, he's one of the best players. It's just really impressive. All right. And then, uh, Caleb, I'm definitely interested to hear your breakdown on linebacker Connor Near. Uh, kind of the surprise commitment. We didn't really hear his name really at all before uh, he committed out of Ferris State. Uh, D2 guy, I know you like him on film. I know Barry really likes him on film. So head over to the site to see Barry's breakdown. I know he teased a little bit of it on Twitter too. But Caleb, what what are your thoughts on Near? Yeah, I will say I think Barry probably likes him. And I don't want to say more than myself and and make it sound like I'm not a a really big fan. I I just sometimes when I watch those guys, uh, it's it's just difficult to know – because of the competition he's playing. I do. But that said, you watch him, the guy that he reminds me of, and I hope people don't see this as a, as a knock on Connor because he was not drafted last weekend, but it's Dylan Doyle, the middle linebacker from, uh, he wasn't, was at Iowa. His dad was a strength coach there and transferred to Baylor and started the past three years at Baylor. If you you remember Oklahoma games against Baylor, he was that big number five inside linebacker that just ate all of Oklahoma's inside run game up the last three years. Uh, And and that's what, you know, you watch with Nier and Barry touched on it. To me, it's the little things, you know, with inside linebackers and just linebackers in general, it's the instincts. It's, you know, quickly being able to process information and just trigger and go. And you watch near, and that's really natural for him. You know, he breeds his keys, just he's got a nose for the football, is flowing downhill, but with good leverage, you know, playing it correct with where he needs to, with where he understands his, his help is at, whether it's from a safety or, uh, you know, another position coming in to help him feel and he just sifts through trash so well. And those are all like little things that, you know, some of the previous linebackers at Oklahoma, honestly, even going back to, to Kenneth Murray just really struggled with was the quickly IDing it, pulling the trigger and getting downhill, you know, getting to his spot, uh, working through a guard, making the play, all that stuff. You know, it's uh, again, I don't want to, 
two of the comps, when you, I think it's interesting. I tell folks to do this and I, I put it on the board is go read the scouting reports for Ben Bulware and James Skowski when they came out of Clemson. And I think it's, like they're almost mirror images of each other. And it's almost a scouting report you might make for, uh, for near, you know, the only difference is, is both those guys were six foot even uh, and, and near. That's where I think the Dylan Doyle comp comes in. He's, I think he's a legitimate six, two plus and uh, really well built 230, 235 pounds moves well enough for an inside linebacker, uh, particularly in, I think we kind of, you know, with Brent's defense, he wants his inside linebackers to be those intelligent guys that can control the run game from tackle to tackle, play that stuff inside out, funnel things to, you know, what he, you know, likes is very aggressive safeties coming downhill, like a, like a red, like a Reggie Pearson that are going to fill. Uh, and if that backer spills it to him, you, you've got a guy like that to, to clean it up. So, I think it's interesting to see how that all shakes out. I wouldn't uh, – I think I think Kobe is is somewhat similar in terms of just football IQ. And then you've got Jaron, who is just an absolute freak and a very mature, focused, hard worker. So I, I know there's, you know, talk of, hey, he's, it's taken him a little while to get, you know, the mic backer. And, yeah, I would imagine it, it would. I've said this on the board. To me, that's one of the more difficult positions uh, – from a, from a mental standpoint, there's just so much stress put on you, uh, you know, pre-snap, uh, you've got to have a really good, uh, emotional demeanor to yourself. Uh, so it, it, I think he's going to fit in and be able to compete for a role. And, and if you told me he ended up, you know, getting it and, and, uh, you know, Jaron redshirted, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be all that surprised. And I don't necessarily think that would be a negative for Jaron. If you, again, go back to Skowski, that happened to James, his, well, he was at Clemson. He played early on because he was a guy that was good enough to, uh, and he played on special teams. And then, and then uh, Venables went to him and said, hey, you know, we, you're not going to start, you're going to play a role, but if you're a redshirt, you're going to be a multi-year starter later on. And he did and was part of some national titles and, you know, I think an All-American or All-ACC guy. So uh, it's love to see the competitive depth being brought in. Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the talent, it's hard to evaluate. Uh, there were five guys drafted from D2 in 2022. I looked up that stat. I'm not sure about 2023, but a guy in 2024 that's projected to go top five, uh, J- is it Jared or Jaron Verse? Jared uh, Verse. Florida State. You know, he yeah. was a guy out of Albany. He came to Florida State. Huge impact. We saw him play pretty well against OU in the in the Cheese It Bowl. So it, it's not uncommon now for these D two guys to be very productive. They won two national titles in a row with with near playing, um, and he's going to make the jump up and and hopefully he can make an impact for the Sooners. Uh, another guy, Caleb. I know you're really going to like this one. We saved your your favorite for last. Uh, Troy Everett, the transfer from App State was a All-American, a freshman All-American last year, and I think he only had six starts, but still made enough of an impact to make the All-American squad. What are your thoughts on Everett? I think it's huge. I I, I do. I'm, I'm a really big fan of Everett. Uh, and I know some of the film that you can pull on him, it's not. Obviously, he played uh, in the Sun Belt at App State, but the two – the two uh, games, the cutups that I watched, it was North Carolina and Texas A&M. And Texas A&M in particular, I put some stuff on the board 
uh, from that game. And you just go and, and watch uh, Everett versus that interior defensive line for AM, which is Shamar Stewart, former five-star, Walter Nolan, former five-star. It was, you know, just a, a parade of five-star defensive tackles that he was going up against. And, man, you know, he just – you know, there's there's one of the clips I put in there, and everything about the clip says that Stewart should have whipped him, and he he whips Stewart. Uh, you know, Stewart comes, you know, brings his hands, got great leverage, engages in him, uh, goes to you know, uh, like a push pull, get by him, and once once Everett is latched on, got great core strength, good balance, he you know, just whips his butt in front, you know, uh, to the to the play side gap and and turns uh, Stewart, and, and you know and opens up a big hole. I, I think he's exactly what Oklahoma needs. You know, you go back to last year and they just did not have competitive depth whatsoever. You know, early in the year when Conjol was, was banged up, you know, uh, and Matoyer was not playing real well, there was just not really much they could do about that. You just had to roll with those guys. And that's, and it goes back to near as well. What I think this staff is doing so much better than the previous staff is we went through these long cycles where they would go and they would sign this great class at a certain position. Then it was like, they thought in their mind, Oh, we're going to be set for the next three or four years. And they kind of just rolled with those guys. And then you found yourself, okay, well, these guys didn't pan out or he didn't live up to exactly what you thought, but you're stuck with him as a two, three year starter. And there's nobody there ever to push him to take his job uh, to, you know, to just make him better. And I think Everett comes in and he will push Rame day one for the center position. And if he doesn't win this year, uh, which I, I'll be honest, I would not be shocked if he didn't. If he told me he won it, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if he was one of the best three interior players, uh, just really strong kid, uh, 6'3", 285. And again, when he gets latched on, he's athletic, moves well, uh, really good uh, football IQ. And in one of the clips I put on, you see him just really ID and understand the the twist that that AM's trying to run. And he, he chips on Stewart, blows him back with the guard, and then as the linebacker is kind of looping around, he lashes on the linebacker and just buries him into the ground. You know, puts his face mask in his in his chin and, and lands on top of him. And it's just one of those plays I think you you love to see from you know a physical guy. I think he gives Oklahoma with you add Schaefer and, and and Jake Taylor as he's getting you know into his second year. It gives them competitive depth inside where you, they're not going to be in a position where it's Savion Bird and Matoyer, and that's it. And we don't have anybody else there. You know, again, if, if Everett comes in and wins that, you can – and Rame is one of your best five. You can – Rame's got a lot of flexibility. You can kick him to guard. Uh, you know, so it's – I think it's – I think it's big, you know. You know it, and the other part of that is uh, Rame has struggled with his health. So having a guy that's played at, you know, an all-conference level and played against really good, you know, competition and, and been at, played at the level he has, getting him to come in is uh, – that's a big win, big win for Oklahoma and, and Bill Beanbow. I remember that A&M game. I, I flipped over at the end to kind of watch the end of it, and they drove the ball. Like, they were like, look, we're running the ball. We're running the four-minute offense. We're not giving you guys the ball back. And they just ran four yards in a cloud of dust, like like 40 yards on AM and just iced the game completely. I mean, it's like there's like a third, you know, classic third and three. We're running the ball. AM knows we're running the ball. 
we're still getting three yards and moving the clock. And yeah. you, you got to think the center is a big, I mean, is a big part of that. And it, it allows you probably to redshirt Bates, redshirt Ozada, redshirt Howland. You've, those three guys all need red shirts, ideally, because now you've got Caden Green. And then if this turns the O-line class, previous O-line class, into Taylor, Sexton, and Everett. And that could be three guys that yeah. start. That could be three starters for point. you in three starters for you in 24. And that that makes a huge difference. We Bill, Bill seems like he's got his fastball back. The guys he's bringing in are, are playing. They look good. And the recruits, and we, we talked a lot about O-line recruiting, how well it's going. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, Matt, I think this was a, as Caleb has detailed, this was, this was a big addition. Yeah, I agree. And this kind of brings up an interesting question that I want to ask both of you guys. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about this recently with the draft. Uh, a couple of the, the national writers were putting out there some stats about, you know, I think this was the, the most five stars that were drafted in the first round in NFL draft history. So there, there's obviously a lot of talk, a lot of back and forth, you know, do stars really matter? You know, we just talked about these three commits, Grayson Harris. He's a, he's a clear four-star pushing five-star guy. You know, we're comparing him to Ryan Broyles. We're comparing, comparing him to Christian Kirk. And then you've got Connor Neer, a zero-star recruit coming from a D2 moving up. You've got Troy Everett, who was, I've got it pulled up here in the class of 2021, he was rated the 81st interior lineman and 1324 overall. So it's just an interesting discussion. What what do you guys think? Do stars really matter? Um, it might be a breakdown uh, college production versus NFL potential, but you know, what, what do you guys think? And Caleb, but we'll start with you. Um, I know you've got some hot takes on this one. <laughs> I could go on a, a bit of a rant. All right. You, you gotta, you gotta let me come back to me at some point. All right. I will. I will <laughs> okay, for sure. I'll try to be concise on some of these thoughts. I think they matter in some, to some regard, but it's a nuanced question. And even that trying to utilize, Hey, we had the most five stars ever taken in a draft. And I think it's kind of gone up year over year. So that proves stars matter. Well, this, this spring, they also, the NFL also had the lowest number of fifth year options uh, picked up on, on the previous, on the, on that first round class that was eligible for them. So getting like more and more misses. And I think there's another part of that conversation, which is the rookie wage scale has changed things, right? So like, for instance, I don't think in any other year would you see the Colts come up and take a guy like Anthony Richardson that's got that much of a runway. If this was the draft of Sam Bradford, where you're going to have to pay him, you know, at this point, it would be a hundred, you know, $20 million guaranteed or, you know, 140 million with how the, how the draft, if it was still working in that, you know, in that scale, God, it might be more because Sam got what 70 guaranteed in, in 2010. So you'd be looking at 2023, you probably had your first rounder quarterbacks taken in the top five, getting, you know, north of 150 million guaranteed but with that rookie wage scale how that works the juice ain't the juice worth the squeeze because it doesn't matter so I'll, I'll bet on that potential on roll that dies if i don't hit on anthony richardson so what i'll draft in the top two next year and i'll take caleb williams or drake may and i'll get rid of anthony richardson and I, it's not that big of a deal uh so the other piece of that is this past year when that all pro list came out it was pretty pretty 
pretty drastic difference between offense and defense. The average star rating for offensive players that made the all pro was they said a three star. It wasn't, I actually ran the numbers. It was bullshit because they pulled a couple guys and they gave them three stars. <laughs> well, they gave guys like Lane Johnson, right? Lane he was, was a, a he no, was a one he was a one he was star. a no star well, no he was star a no star, star out of high school no star right yeah he was a no star out of high school that was a full qualifier that had, you know and they just so they fudged the numbers kind of like they always do they did it this year too and kind of had that with Kyle where it was like oh well this guy was a five star it's like well he wasn't a five star by the composite and he wasn't a five star by this service. It's like, well, but he was by this service. It was like, yeah, but you use the other service for the other three guys. So they're just, they're jacking the numbers. It's bad data to make themselves look better. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, the average ranking for offensive all pros was under three star. The average ranking for the defensive all pros was like almost five star. So there's just this difference, I think, you know, maybe in, in how the game is played. The other piece of why I struggle with like stars matter into some regard is it is the it's kind of the cowardice in my mind of how these services go through ranking kids. They're giving on average a little bit north of 300 kids a four star ranking in every class. So that means in any draft year, you have at least three classes that are going to be draft eligible, eligible. So three, four and the five, right? Sophomore, true sophomores seen, you know, so on. Maybe, you know, you even get uh, four classes effectively. So you're getting on the low end, 900 four stars that are draft eligible for that particular draft low end, probably realistically some around 1400 kids. And again, this year that were ranked four star that were draft eligible. Well, there's 256 on the, is that's the least amount of draft picks depending on compensatory. I think this year there were 259, right? And you're also somewhere around, let's say close to a hundred five stars that are draft eligible. Well, no shit. It looks like you're hitting on this. Like you slanted the numbers <laughs> so much in your favor, right? Like if <laughs> it's just, uh, so I would just like to see the rankings either, either do them differently or stop pretending like you saw something in some player, right? That you maybe you didn't ever see. That's a, that's a complex rant to try and follow. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just say this on the stars ranking. So I think I'll, I'll put weight behind D line recruiting stars. Okay. And I will probably put some weight behind elite 11, five-star quarterbacks. Other than that, I think you pretty much can find players anywhere. O-line. Again, I think Caleb's identified. We've we talked forever about the the six 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 five two hundred and seventy five pound athletic kid that you turn into the six five three hundred and ten pound monster, right? We've talked through that, and it's validated. And yeah, we've got all kinds of data that validates. And those kids could be four stars, five stars, or three stars, right? There's lots of kids out there. I mean, you can even look at OU's recruiting O line right now. I mean, Logan Howland was significantly behind Caden Green, right? And Caden Green's off to a great start, but, you know, Logan Howland could enroll in June and he could just blow up. He could be your next first-round draft pick offensive tackle, and Caden Green could be like a third-round offensive guard, right? Um, that's, 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 not a, that's, not a, that's not a knock on Caden Green. Caden Green could just have an awesome career, but he could be. That's just where he could be. So I think you can find players. You can find wide receivers anywhere. The draft proves that. OU's recruiting proves that. 
Um, but I think the one thing that just flashes out is you can't find elite D line everywhere. I mean, the, the, the Pittsburgh kid Casey is, is probably the only real D line outlier in the draft in the first round. Right. And Luke, I guess Luke Van Ness, I don't know anything about his recruiting. Um, I'm guessing he's probably, he was, he was, he was probably buried and he was probably like a low, low three star or something like that. Cause they just not a vet. And I'm not spending any time evaluating kids, um, you know, in, in certain territories, they don't spend time at camps and they, and the evaluators don't go up there a lot. So Van Ness was, uh, 1063 overall in the 52nd ranked strong side defensive end. Yeah, I mean, but where's he from? Where's yeah. his high school? What high school is he? Illinois. Barring, Barrington, Illinois. Oh, really? That now that they shouldn't. And that's a that's a hit on the on the analysts right there because Barrington. I used to live in Illinois. Barrington's good high school, good reputation. Uh, they should have they should have known. They should have that that should have gotten a little more attention from the analysts. Than they really should. So to your point, Caleb. That's that's like a miss. That's a that's a recruiting evaluation miss. There's no reason why they should not have ID'd a kid from Barrington. If you told me he was from like, you know, Minot, North Dakota, I'd be like, okay, well, they're never going up there. But um uh but Barrington, they should have. So I think the stars do matter. I mean, but you know, again, at running backs, so many running backs fall through the cracks. But again, you then you have guys like Adrian Peterson and and DeMarco Murray. Uh, you know, and Joe Mixon. I mean, these guys are all five-star running backs, five-star college players, five-star NFL players. So, uh, but D-line, I think, is the big differentiator, right? You can't, those those guys are just so finite, the population so small that the recruiters never miss them because they are just, it's like, hey, I saw a unicorn. Everyone, and everyone says, you know, I've seen That's a unicorn. Is, right? I've seen a unicorn. And everyone says, oh, yeah, 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 that's a unicorn. And it's so clear. I mean, you watch the All-Star game, the Under Armour game, right? And the three guys that flashed the most were Pete Woods, Clemson, DJ Hicks at A&M, and PJ, and PJ, who's going OU, right? Those are the three guys that flashed the most in the All-Star game. And it's yeah. because they're D-line. You know, and you just, I mean, you know, Gabe and Teddy – are you know we're talking about PJ the other day and they're just like it just no he doesn't look like anybody who's been at OU for 20 years. You nailed it. Like that's what I was gonna say is and, the and those guys the, are easy. Yeah. yeah. And that and that and those and that's you know and and you know Teddy Teddy was an elite linebacker and saw Tommy Harris and Dusty Dvorak devour offensive lines for three years. And he's looking at PJ like oh my God who is that guy? So's Dusty. They had Dusty on and he was talking about it. So that's the big thing. I mean, the, the rest of the star stuff, I mean, you know, Caleb and I, you know, when we were, you know, back on an old message board and we couldn't really highlight kids, it constantly, we were going back and forth, like, have you seen this kid's film? And Caleb would be like, damn, that's good. And then Caleb would be like, have you seen this film? And we were just going back and forth, having our own discussion on the message board. That's why we ended up on our, that's why we decided we wanted our own message board to have these recruiting discussions. And you just go back and forth, like, how is this kid a three-star? What, what the hell am I missing? And it was, and then the kid would go on. Uh, there's a kid at South Carolina that we talked about that almost went to OU and he ended up being, he's a, he's like a hybrid linebacker guy. And we were both like, how is, how is everybody missing this kid? And he's, you know, and he blew it up as an old freshman uh, SEC team for, um, for the, um, for, for Shane Beamer's team. So it's, 
for in my long in a long rambling going nowhere discussion, to me, D line is the unicorn and maybe five star quarterbacks. I mean, I'm having a hard time looking at Jackson Arnold, Dante Moore, and Nico Ibinanova, and not <laughs> saying, yeah, those guys, those guys look like they got NFL written all over them. I mean, you know, what again, we give up we I hate that he's at USC, but you know, Caleb is the same thing, right? You, that's a that's a it's a different kind of unicorn, but you can you can see it. So yeah, like uh, the last two champions. I mean, Georgia, right? They Stetson Bennett yeah. is is a clear outlier, right? Yeah, he was yeah. too small out of high school. He they call him the mailman because he wore a U.S. Postal Service hat to all these camps just oh, really? so people would notice. I, did, I didn't know that. All right. Is literally yeah. the only reason he got noticed, right? But they had but, uh, but, five star after five star in the defensive line to make up for it. Yeah, Clemson, and they, and Clemson's another good Clemson. example. Yeah, like Venables, when he first got there, they targeted D line. I think Clemson was the first team in uh, was it the BCS era to win a national championship without a top five class in oh, the yeah. last four years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But and they did the they did but that, their. Yeah their best commits over those years were quarterback and defensive line. And they yeah. built early with five stars on at, at quarterback and D line and turn it into two titles. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins go a long way to winning a national championship. Right. And Clellan Farrell, I think he was a top 50 guy. Yeah. Uh, he's not as he, I mean, I mean, let's just face it. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's going to be an. All, if he wasn't already, he's an all-pro quarterback, right? Yeah, fantastic. Now that now that this now that he actually has a functional coaching staff and some support, uh, he's a five-star. He's he's going to be an all-pro, right? Dexter Lawrence is just signed a big contract. Christian sure. Wilkins just signed a big comp contract. They are probably two of the top ten def, young defensive tackles in in NFL football. So it's. You put a three guys like that on a roster and you surround them with, you know, a lot of, a lot of good talent. I mean, I, I can't believe the linebacker dropped that much as he did. Um, uh, the, the Clemson linebacker from, from Georgia. Oh, um, um, uh, Trenton Simpson. Trenton Simpson. Simpson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was dropped to like the third round, right? Fourth yeah. round. And he I ran like four, four. <laughs> yeah. I was just, he, you know, so I can't believe he dropped that far. Um, that's gonna be like one of those ones where, same thing with uh, the big Georgia tight end. He dropped that far, you know, yeah. and then the NFL goes the other way. And Jordan um, Phillips from Jordan Phillips from Utah. Is that right? Utah quarterback. Was that this year corner, or last corner, year? Yeah, this year, this year. The Jordan, oh, you the, mean Illinois? No, the, no, no the, the Jordan Phillips, the Utah cornerback. He dropped oh, no. all the way to the fourth round of the Falcons. And he was the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, the only guy that, you know, put up any kind of, you know, he, he the only guy who held Jordan Addison at all. Um, so, you know, you just, you go back and forth on the rankings on the stars, you know, three stars, four star, five star. I mean, to me, I just like the kids OU's offering more than before. And the kids that you question, the, the kids with the lower stars you question, especially from the last class, you look at their film and they're like, man, they, they hit, they are football players. I don't know what they're going to end up being, but so I think, you know, I think it's going to, you know, Brent clearly puts the emphasis on five-star defensive line recruiting. We know that. So he believes that. And Todd Bates does. And they believe the five-star quarterback thing. So 
those are the areas I think the stars matter. But, you know, offensive linemen, I mean, the Skoworski kid from Northwestern was really good. They got kind of lucky on the five-star O-line in the draft this year that Darnell Wright uh, was as good as he was supposed to be. And the the Georgia yeah, kid. Because that was through. a late bloomer. Yeah, the Georgia yeah. kid late and the Georgia kid came through. And even Anton Harrison came through for them as a four-star, you know, top 200 type kid. So, yeah, but, but you know, you go to the, you go to the we're second sitting round, watching you know? in that same, we're sitting watching our same O-line class that had Harrison and the three kids ranked ahead of him are, str- are going to struggle to be drafted at all. Well, you look at the second round and there were, let's see, I, I always keep this like data sheet up. So there's, there were seven offensive linemen taken in the second round of this year's draft. Of those seven, four of them were three stars. One of them was a no star that no one knew about uh, except for North Dakota State. And then there were two kids that were four stars. And they beat yeah, out so Wanya Morris. Yeah, a formal yeah, five star. Five star, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and in the and that the uh, the kid from North Dakota State, uh, Cody Motch, was a two hundred and twenty pound, six foot five tight end uh, that has no two front teeth. I'm, it's interesting that he's embraced that look. Uh, <laughs> but you're a millionaire he's my, now. My favorite guy in that class, <laughs> right? Right. Must, must so. love must love hockey, Matt. So you gotta like that, right? He's oh yeah, for sure. He's he's doing the 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 hockey thing there. So you gotta love that. But yeah, I think he's he, got you the flow it. and everything, <laughs> Chris. It's a defensive line. And the reason I think stars matter is because that, like, look, particularly when it comes to the draft, like, we minus just Kalijah just Kansi, yeah. everybody else is six foot five. And, you know, defensive ends are 270 to right. And your, your defensive tackles are 300 plus. Like, for instance, right? Like Lucas Van Ness, the three star nobody knew about. Showed up at 6'5, 272 with a six pack and ran 458 out of Iowa, right? Like, I mean, that's a first round defensive end. It's just, it's a height, weight, speed game. And I think picking out height, weight, speed for defenders, because again, that's kind of what defense is, it's a lot easier. And yeah, you know, you, you want to, you want a David Stone at defensive tackle. So picking out a kid that's six foot four, 280 pounds with, next to no bad weight that moves like he's 230 pounds, that's pretty easy to pick out, you know, like that's what David Stone is. Right. Uh, so that's why he's a five-star defensive tackle. So stars kind of matter for the most part, right? Is that kind of the general consensus? They, they, they certainly matter when we're talking about big visits being scheduled to give you a segue there. Well, there's a segue, a <laughs> little bit of news left. We do have some, High four stars and five stars scheduled. Chris, what's the latest on uh, some of these visits coming up? So the big weekend's going to be June 9th and June 16th. Maybe they'll have some kids visit the 22nd. But if OU wants to sign you and you can visit on the 16th, that's the weekend they want you in. So they've got a couple of guys who are scheduled for the 9th. That would be Marcellus Williams, the cornerback from May Today, who they're really aggressively going after. Uh, Marquise Easley, the offensive tackle from Kanaki, Illinois. And Jason Zandamella, the offensive center who just visited for the spring game and has already booked his official visit. And those three guys are Easley's top 200. Zandamella's flying up the rankings because people have realized the six foot three, 290 pound center with a nearly a seven foot wingspan is a really good idea. 
and he moves really well. So they're all top 100, top 200. And then for the 16th, we have five-star Sammy Brown rescheduled for that weekend, teasing OU fans by coming for the big weekend. We have uh, Caleb's Caleb's uh, football crush, Braden Platt, the middle linebacker from, from, uh, from Washington State. And then we have Dominic McKinley, my crush, the six foot six, 290 pound defensive end, defensive tackle from future five star, future five star from Louisiana. Please, somehow, I don't know. I can't, it, I, I refuse to ideologically believe we can sign him. And I have a, I have a recruiting friend of mine who listens to the podcast, Hi Jinks, I've been Hi Jinks sooner, who just, he keeps saying, keep stop teasing me just tell me when he signs he's like don't don't tease me with a louisiana defensive lineman i've been following this for too long just just tell me when he actually puts pen on paper so he's coming for the for mid-june everybody's starting to hype ou's chances with him lsu just hired a coach from south carolina so they now have a guy in but they're behind they're big time behind and um, McKinley isn't talking about taking an official visit to LSU right now. Now he can change that any moment he wants, but right now he's not. So that's the big addition. And um, so you've got Braden Platt, Dominic McKinley, and Sammy Brown. If you could land those three guys, I mean, just 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 wrap a bow, hand me a steak dinner, and you know it would be uh, it would just it, it would be absolutely awesome. That would be. Brown and Platt as the linebacker class would just send. We'd we'd have to we'd have to we'd have to check on Caleb's uh, physical well being if that if that was, those verbals came through because <laughs> him him doing a, a evals for those two guys as OU verbals, we might have to just dedicate an entire hour. So um, just just exciting news on the visits, and then we know David Stone's visiting OU. We just don't know when it's going to be June 16th. He hasn't said that. He hasn't told me that he's told no one that it's going to be the 16th. It's just lining up Williams, Winery, same thing. Um, maybe Kobe black as well. So you could, you could have maybe six five-star defenders on campus at the same time, same weekend. And I just, just doesn't get any bigger than that which I think is a class we'd all love. Uh, and Chris, you just put out your recent class prediction on Sooners 360. I did. Uh, you, you mentioned in the, in the, the pre-pod chat that you might already make some changes. So let's, uh, let's do a little roundtable real quick on possibly what our Sooner class would look like, what we think uh, it, it could look like or should look like not necessarily player wise. Now we'd all love to just fill the class with five stars, even though we just kind of had a segment that, you know, it might not quite matter at cornerback or a running back, but um, I think now it becomes important. We have that 25 scholarship limit. How do we allocate those 25 scholarships to this 2024 class um, we'll just kind of go position by position again, not necessarily the names that we want at that position, just more of, Hey, you know, we, if we start with quarterback, we've talked about, OU is looking to take two high school guys. Do we agree with that? Do we allocate 
two player or two of those 25 scholarships to the quarterback position. So we'll start with quarterback. We'll start with that very discussion and Caleb, we'll start with you. So I would say uh, for like this exercise, if you told me the NCAA doesn't make any changes and they stick to the 25, which again, I, I, I don't see, you know, there's, I think there's a less than 1% chance just because of what's happened to some programs. When you look at the amount of kids, uh, I saw a stat, the, you know, that it's not just obviously Colorado's had like 61 kids transfer out, but like Ole Miss has had 33. Oh, there's a handful of schools that have had north of 25 kids uh, transfer out. That's not counting the exodus of, of draft of, a uh, sorry, kids have just exhausted their eligibility. But if we're sticking to 25, I would say you got to take one and then just roll it where, uh, you know, I would, and then play the, the transfer game later on when you know you're going to possibly need depth. So for this for this one, I would say you take one one quarterback. All right, well, I'll, since I'm the recruiting guy, I'll step up and put names to my numbers too, okay? You guys don't have to, but I should be expected to do that, that this is, this is my bailiwick. So I'm going to stick with one as well, and I'm projecting OU picks up a portal guy of some way, shape, or form. But I am projecting... Bevel and Booty aren't on the aren't 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 in spring in in, in our next spring game. Oh really? Okay. I don't think I think we lose both guys. Well, I think yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you on Bevel. I, I with Booty, I'm, yeah, probably right because I think of Jackson. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still going to only one high school quarterback for now. So same. And, and I and I and obviously it's Michael Hawkins. I think Mike's going to wrap. The more I watch the Jordan Tyson tape. The more I, more I understand why he struggled last year. And this is one I keep going back and forth on. You know, I've talked about it a couple times that I would love to take two high school quarterbacks in this class in particular, based on booty leaving, possibly based on Bevel graduating, moving on, based on you know if if Jackson Arnold at some point this season takes the reins, you really need a buffer behind him. And if we can get two guys in, it's going to be really hard. In, in that situation, if Arnold takes the reins, I think it's going to be really hard to convince a portal guy to, that that is a difference maker or a possible difference maker to make that transition over playing under a guy who's 18 years old. Uh, so I really... I, I don't want to allocate two ships to this, but I think for the quarterback room, the next three years going into the SEC, if you can get two high school guys that you can get into the system, develop under Lebby's system, I think I think it's the right move this year. I, I wouldn't say that normally, but for this class and this specific situation, I think I'm going to allocate two to quarterback. All right, running back, Caleb. I think just two. Uh, you know, Oklahoma took a class of two last year. They brought in uh, Megua, transfer from uh, Washington. And so I, I just can't. And hopefully didn't, he's – Didn't see the field in spring, so we have no idea what he is. Yeah, you know, I know he's recovering. He had surgery, at, uh, you know, at some point, right, on that knee. I think it was right before he got to Oklahoma. So I don't know if he's still just uh, recovering from that. I, I would say I, 
this class again at 25, when you start rolling through it, for for my my take on it, uh, you took two two uh, two backs last year, uh, and you took two backs the year before, all really talented backs. So I just don't see a need for a third. You know, perfect world. You go, they go, and they get uh, Taylor Tatum and, and Nate Frazier. Plug those guys in. I know I missed Caden Durham there, uh, but you know, in in role. Chris, what do you think? One Taylor Tatum. Yeah, I could see that. That's actually a decent call. But it I, goes to like you know the next position I, I've got of on the well, numbers well, we, well, probably vary. All right, Matt. How many you taking? Uh, I'm, if it's Taylor Tatum, he might be my only back. I mean, we've we've heard good things about Hicks. We've heard thing, good things about Smothers. I think that affords you, uh, and and Demarco it affords him, just shoot your shot, go after the the best guy you think you can get, and I think that's Taylor Tatum. And since I'm allocating two to quarterback, it really only leaves room for one at running back. Yeah. All right, tight end. I, I have no tight ends in the class. Uh, and that's you're not, you're not gonna take a tight end this year. That is working under the assumption that uh that Davon Mitchell has not reclassified. All right, that makes I just sense think, to me. Yeah, the tight end okay. class, particularly next year, is so good. If if you include Davon Mitchell in it or not, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nate Roberts, the the Kansas City, the Kansas kid Brom, and there's like three or four other names out there too. Yeah, there's a Kid from Carl Alberts that's got an offer. There's the was it the uh, Weatherford kid that could play defensive end or rush or tight end. So yeah, there's just yeah. there's... Shield Shield Knight. I think his name is. No, they're, I'm thinking of. Oh, is that uh, a different guy? Okay. Yeah, Shield Knight is up north, uh, north of Tulsa. I, I, yeah. The one I'm thinking of, I can't think of his name. He's a. I'll pull him up for you, but he's a. He's a basketball player too. Big time basketball player. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, while you're pulling him up, I'm going to go one. And I'm I've interviewed the kid. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna think he's going to reclassify. He's gonna pull this off by hook or by crook. CJ Nixon is who I could yeah, think of. Yeah, he's good. Matt, I'm with you, Chris. If if Mitchell does reclassify, I'm taking him. And then Caleb, I'm with you. If he doesn't, I think this is a preferred walk on option, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the, the word is right. And I know again, it's just what you hear. Uh, the word is the kid that transferred uh, Hamp. Is it Hamp Frey from, from Michigan State? Michigan State signing at quarterback. He's 6'5, 230 uh, out of Fort Worth. Uh, has transferred to Oklahoma. Don't know kind of, you know, if it's a, if it's an, if it's a, a walk on deal or if it's, which is what that looks like. But I, I will say, you know, it's it would not be the first. It'd be, you know, the thousandth, you know, big mobile quarterback that moved to tight end and was successful. And if you go back and you watch his high school stuff, and he is a big kid that can move and run. And, so, you know, for no more than Oklahoma uses the tight end as a – there's not a, you know, a position where they're putting a lot of different formations and doing a lot with it. So, all right, the, uh, perhaps a challenging one for everyone here. Caleb, wide receivers. I thought this was actually one of the easier ones when I thought about it. It was challenged at first, but I got to go just three. And the reason I've got to go just three is because they've already taken Brennan Thompson in the portal, and they're looking at another receiver in the portal. So unless they just look at some of the kids that are going to be older, you know, going into third or fourth years and haven't done anything, and maybe they're planning on that. Maybe they're planning on insert a name. 
of, you know, a third or fourth year kid that following the 2023 season hasn't done anything. But uh, assuming that doesn't happen, I, I could just take I would just take three and I would say add add Wesco to the current class and 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 and, and go. I'm going to do the exact same thing for the exact same reasons. Add Mr. Wesco and Emmett can move to 25 or even 26 recruiting because he may have 25 already wrapped up as well. So well, I tell you, we could almost do a whole episode on how good Emmett's doing. <laughs> yeah, we could. And we yeah. may at this we may we may and we may need that content um, Mother's Day weekend. So who knows? Um, I, I'm going with three. Also, uh, I think the wide receiver position there there's going to be portal guys every year. So you take three, somebody doesn't pan out, just go grab a guy in the portal. It seems like uh, that that could could work for OU going forward. All right, O line, Caleb. How many are you taking? Give me six, and I'll give you my ideal class in some regard. Uh, so six, and, and my ideal class, I kind of at this time, and and you could kind of move some guys around, I guess. Uh, but you've got Autry. You know, I would say I really like the uh, the, the kid out of Kansas, uh, a Cade Massey, and then yep. Grant Bricks as a bit of your swing guy. Inside, you get Casey Poe, uh, and, and then you grab – you know, you've got Grant Bricks play that other one, and then you go get uh, Zandella. So I, my, my thought there is with that six, you've effectively got four guys because, you know, uh, with, with Bricks, you've got multiple guys that can play tackle. You've got a full interior class. It's just – it's to me, if they could pull something like that, they would add depth, significant depth all across the front. All right. I'm going to go – I need to double check my math there. One second for a math. And, and I'll say this: I think we ran through this on the board last week. You know, my kind of my thoughts on on needing to take six is when you roll back from twenty twenty to now, right? So the trailing four classes effectively. Oklahoma's only signed thirteen offensive linemen, and you know, with Colin Montgomery, Anton Harrison, uh, I think maybe one, and and Noah Nelson all being gone from, you know, uh, they're, they're just in a position where from a numbers, you've got to go five, six. And I think you could, if you could get six, it, it would be what I would right. do. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with five. I'm going to go with Autry. Mr. Warren from Sugarland, Texas. Mr. Easley from Hanakey, Illinois. And I'm going to go Bricks. And Poe, uh, FSU is able to hold on to Zandamella, but that would have been my sixth guy if I went six. I'm, I'm, I don't, I, the Max Anderson thing, I think is a little edgy with Nate Anderson's um, status right now. And now, especially with Everett coming in, he's now the third, I, he's the third team center at best. At right? best. Yeah. I guess I, I, I did miss one. So the other tackle that I would, I would, I really like is Ellis Davis, the tackle they just offered out of Prosper. <laughs> Man, um, we just need a just need a number. Yeah, I'm gonna go with five. You guys, you guys are right. the the O line guys. <laughs> all right, all right. Defensive end, rush end. So I just look at like defensive end uh, or just edge players in, in the defense. Three for me. Yeah, okay. I think you've got you got to go. Uh, games are won in the in the trenches. So give me. Uh, you probably notice that's where uh, majority of my class would be. Okay. All right, I'm going to go three edge rush ends, defensive ends, Williams Venary, JJA, and 
I had someone in my mind a moment ago, and I just lost Gilmore him. Ross. I'm going to go with Caleb Reed. Caleb Reed. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the, so the, I would go same, similar, the right? Dish, JJ, the, the Noarian. Yep. yep. All right, Matt. How many? How many players you're signing to? You got some. You got some spots to spend. Yeah, I'm. I'm going three as well. All right. I don't know if the, one of those guys might be an edge guy, but I, I don't mind putting all those into like a strong side defensive end type either. Okay. Defensive tackles, guys we think will be defensive tackles or are defensive tackles. And Caleb, you're already at 15, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at 18 now because I take three. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, as you can see, six offensive linemen, six total defensive linemen. Uh, yeah, give me Stone, uh, give me McKinley, and then and then go get, get you uh, another guy like Nigel Smith that can play both. Right, can give you a lot of position flexibility. Play them at a three tag, but if they go into their thirty front, you can play them at that four eye at five tag. So, yeah, give me give me three, uh, you know, big athletic guys. All right, well, you're stealing all the names I would use, so I'm going three defensive tackles. OU. Last time I checked, your scholarship chart is poised to lose seven senior defensive linemen. Very top heavy. That's why Very I think top gotta... heavy. So this is a class. You bring in Stone, you bring in McKinley, and you bring in Nigel Smith, and you tell Nigel Smith, hey, you can play defensive end as well for us with in the right schemes, but we need you 280, 285 pounds. And you know, then you can then you can be a defensive tackle for us as well. So yep. I think that's the scheme. The IMG guy, the other IMG guy, Jaden Jones. Is it Jaden Jones or Jaden Jones? Jaden Johnson. He's mm. he's interesting. That's that's a that's a that's a wild card in there, but let's that's a true defensive tackle. So yeah, you go, yeah you're going you're going card. three as well, man. Yeah, so all I guess all three of us are taking six D line as we just talked about in the last segment about you know stars mattering. <laughs> they do get, they do defensive players they do for defensive players. So give me give me six D line. I mean we're going to the SEC like we have we have and to. It's, have and it. it's a great D line class. It's a deep D line class. You can't always guarantee that. Yeah. No, I mean, you can't but, always guarantee a, a herd of unicorns like there are this year. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Linebacker. And we're defining this as Mike Wills and I guess someone who you think would play a hybrid linebacker cheater on. Now we're sick of the word cheater, but, I'm, but that's just to define it. Anybody you think falls in that bucket? How many slots? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's difficult for me because I included the the cheetah that role as a third safety. Uh, you know, so for I looked at it as linebackers being all right. Well, if that, if you want to say just Will and Mike, Will and Mike will and, two, two, okay, because they and the other part of that is I would have guessed more, but they just took near. Okay, all right. I'm going to say two Mike linebackers. And I'm going to predict, and this is probably going to hurt me, I'm going to go Jordan Lockhart and Braden Platt. Two mics, pure mics. We've got guys like Ogusingo, who can be who can be a Will, Kanek Will, Lewis Will. And um, you've got Lockhart and Platt. That's a, that's a winning combo inside for me. Hey, I'm telling you, give me – Give me like Nawari and JJA up front. Go get McKinley and Stone inside, and then go get Pratt as your Mike linebacker and Sandy Brown as your Will. And I think you'll 
play good defense in the front seven. <laughs> All right. How many, how many bike will linebackers are you going with Matt? I think I would have said three until uh, the near news. So I'm going to okay. go with two and save that third spot for that hybrid. All right. Safety hybrids, real safeties. How many are you going with Caleb? And let's, let's see how many you can actually go with. Uh, you're, yeah. you are, I'm, I'm at 20. So now I'm at 23, uh, 20. You're, yeah. So you're taking three safeties. So three safeties. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I look at like Boganowski. So I was like, I got Jake uh, Hardy and Boganowski yep. is a guy that's trending towards Oklahoma. But when I look at Boganowski, uh, I think of a guy that could play that, that uh, the Sam backer, the Roy backer, the cheetah, whatever we want to call it. I like to call it the Sam. I, I see a guy that, you know, will be, 220 uh and, and be able to play that spot 215 even so you know you don't yeah have yeah you don't have to be a you're, huge guy you're right um, and who's all right so that's three safeties you only mentioned two so you're gonna wuss out mentioning your third one uh yeah man it's <laughs> tough because you've got the kid from more i think that probably falls in a uh in a safety spot there yeah uh, but let me ask you this you know why is he not committed I have no. And I don't mean to like take a kid's shine. No, I mean the kid away can, you know, he can do whatever he wants, but I, his offer list is UNLV, Tulsa, OU, Michigan State, and Iowa State. One of those is unlike the rest. I'm gonna say yeah. So I, you know what? So for my third guy, uh, what is the the New Jersey kid? Vabu Torre. Give me Vabu Torre. And they just offered a kid from Providence, Rhode Island, that they love, Justin Dennison. <laughs> No st- three stars, and he has an Alabama, OU, Ohio State, and Georgia offer. Yeah, let me switch. Let me switch. Uh, no, but yeah. So he's That's... he's he's not going to be a three star in the next ranking list. All right, no, so I'm going to say three. Obviously, Jaden Hate, Jaden Hardy. I think Boganowski might go to Kansas State. I think oh, really? He's gonna, I think he's going to go to Kansas State. Um, so I'm going to go. Michael Patterson McDonald and Vabu Torre is my three safeties. Matt, how many safety numbers, safety hybrids are you going with? Uh, I'll go with three. Um, I'm wondering if that third is just going to be a wild card we're not really talking about. Yeah, because they, they yeah. brought in the Gallegos kid, the Gal, Gal I'm, I'm butchering that Spanish pronunciation. Gallegos. Gallegos from California. Um, they're still looking at this other kid in Texas, Lair, who's probably a safety. And they offered the Denison kid who's like blowing up. I watched his film. It's really good. Torre's film is really good. I mean, it just seems like I mentioned this to a friend is that, you know, with the name, the usual suspects, we're talking about a class of like five DBs who are all under six foot. Whereas the last DB class was six, three, six, two, Six three, six four, five eleven. Yeah, it's kind of a a weird a lot dynamic. Of, that's a lot of that's not that's. I mean, they're all good kids, but that's a lot of that's a lot not a lot of length in the secondary. Yeah, even that kid uh, we just offered uh, that you mentioned earlier, uh, Agard from Philly. Five, yeah, five ten. So it's it's it could be a smaller DB class. I'm not sure how that fits. That's why I keep trying to add a six foot three, 200 pound safety killer back there. Um, um, all right. So finally, I, Caleb, I think you only have rooms for two cornerbacks, right? 
Yeah, two corners. Uh, and speaking yeah, it's of a, such a big not, corner class last year. And speaking of not a lot of height, are you sticking with those two names? That, that's it. That's two, right? Newcomb. Get, so Newcomb and go, go get Kobe Black. Ah, no, 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 no. You're, I believe. All right, that's so. All right, so I'm sticking with three <laughs> cornerbacks because I want to give Jay Valai the room to pull in a big elite corner. So we've got. Who did Newcomb, I miss? So if I'm Eli, going Newcomb. Eli Bowen. Uh, I just, you know, I know everybody has him pegged for Oklahoma. Uh, but again, why hasn't he committed, right? Well, there's some of that. And he's he always said Oregon was his favorite school. That Oregon was the team he grew up rooting for. So you for. think he's going to – so, like, so you're, that's where you're veering off. You think Eli Bowen is going to go Oregon? Uh, yeah. All right. So I'm going to stick with Newcomb Bowen and – Marcel Williams from St. John from St. John Bosco. OU breaks the invisible shield around St. John Bosco, even though Max Williams is his brother and a DB at USC. I just think maybe maybe he finally sees that USC is trash on defense and and he wants to try something a little different. So I go three because places. The thing is, for for me, it's that's so interesting about this is you get on the back end and you look at again. So like Eli Bowen, you look at the kid they offered out of uh, Tulsa Union, uh, Devin Jordan, Devin Jordan, and 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 then you know obviously they've already got Newcomb uh, committed, but then you look at Patterson McDonald. All these are like against state kids or, you know, uh, in the case of Bowen, whose brother's there and everybody's got pegged, but then look at all the offers that are going out and who's setting up officials. So something's not adding up that, Hey, these kids are in state or that's the brother and we've got them all pegged and we've got crystal balls, but I'm seeing all these offers go to other kids and I'm seeing other kids line up official visits and we know they're locked. You've got what? The, 56 the officials weekend, in the calendar big, year. Yeah. The big weekend too. It's like, like yeah. So something's, and, 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 and I, I just think Jay Valai is too good a recruiter, is doing too well on the road that he's going to pull in a big, a big time cornerback and force that kid into the top, into the 25 list. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's why I, I'm going with three because that's what I have left. But I, I think just like safety, that third guy is, is probably going to come out of nowhere. I mean, we're still offering guys. It's real hard to get a clear picture what their actual hierarchy is at those two positions. Cause there's also a little bit of in this system, DB versus cornerback and safety. I mean, is it, it's kind of uh, in flux a little bit based on uh, formation and whatnot. Am I wrong, Caleb? I mean, some of these guys, especially the last class, you know, we thought Wagner might be a safety and then all of a sudden he's a corner. Vickers <laughs> is big enough to play safety, but he's a corner. So it's kind of like, we have no uh, idea where Jacoby Johnson's playing. Safety, right, corner, exactly. wide receiver. So if if I account, you know, what is that? Six guys to DB. I think it could be any of these guys in any combination, honestly. You know, I look at it as a defensive back as opposed to a, in a, a split in the position. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, I, I think they're going with a bigger class again after a bigger class last year. And it just might be the, it might just be the, we're, we're going to put six DBs, five DBs kind of out there all the time. So we just, we need, we need back end depth. We can't be caught short. If that's the one position we can't, you know, we can't be short athletes on. So yeah, um, take a guy you like, 
if he if he ends up being a safety, he's a safety. If he ends up being a corner, he's a corner. I think Newcomb could probably play both, right? Yeah. Nearly yeah. a year yeah. ago, it was everybody. Like I think every kid just about that was if you were a safe, if you were a linebacker safety hybrid, or if you were just a defensive back, it was well, he might play cheetah. He might. I mean, it was <laughs> you know every single kid was you know, yeah. and every interview was saying maybe cheetah. I think what's going to end up happening. I really this is just my guess on it is. I think they're going to take a big class. I think the NCAA is obviously going to have to step in and say, hey, because we've screwed up, because because we're incompetent uh, <laughs> and we've allowed, you know, just free reign as it relates to transfer portal, we can't hold you guys to 25. Otherwise, again, you're going to have Colorado have a, a roster of 45 kids. I'm okay you know, with that, by have, the way. I, I know probably a lot of people <laughs> are here as of late. Uh, you know, but you'll have teams like Wyoming who just all their good players have got a really good staff there that recruits well and they get purged. Uh, you know, you'll have teams like that come out with 50 kids. And so that'll change. I think Oklahoma probably end up signing like 30 kids or more. And I think you'll see a lot of guys that have just been kind of been hanging around and still here in years three and four and haven't done anything. You probably just see them move on. And I think that's why you're still seeing Lots offers. Of offers at positions where we're like, well, we don't have any spots left, but they're still offering. Yeah. So yeah. It's almost like they're banking on maybe 28 being the number 30 would be great. I mean, then you take uh, all those in-state DBs, uh, you take a flyer on, you hold a spot for Kobe black, you, you know, it gives you a little bit of flexibility, but I think if you get at least 28, that would be great for this class. I agree. And I, I, I my expectation would be that at the minimum, which is wild to say. It is. All right. So, all right, guys. Well, we've talked about a lot of names. Again, head on over to Sooners 360. Check out Chris's latest uh, class prediction, all his players. And I know he's already talking about changing that, but every month he comes out with those. Uh, we've got a lot of visits coming up. Uh, we'll be tracking who's who's coming, who's not, who's moving, like Sammy Brown moved up his. Uh, so head on over to Sooners 360. Uh, we've got some analysis of some of the recent commits as well. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Again, subscribe to the pod uh, so you don't miss an episode. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. cetera. Uh, soon to be on YouTube. I keep teasing that, but we're, we're getting close to that. We're getting everything finalized and set up to bring you video and we will see everybody around the water cooler. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.